0: Our next reading is taken from the first book of Corinthians, chapter 15, and verses 12 to 28, and the passage is entitled, The Resurrection of the Dead. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. We are, of all people, most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive but each in turn, Christ the firstfruits. Then, when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that it does not include God Himself, who put everything under Christ. When He has done this, then the Son Himself will be made subject to to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all.
1: Back before Easter, the Daily Express ran a couple of articles recording the experience of social media users about their near-death experiences. And there was no particular pattern. One said his dead brother visited him and encouraged him to carry on. Another said he woke up feeling peaceful and floating in what looked like space. He knew light and love were somewhere close, but rather than looking for them, he spent time thinking back over his life, rather like flipping through a book. Another woman said she felt as if she were being sucked backwards through water to find herself in a garden filled with dust and patchy flowers where she was confronted by a ghostly boy and girl. Another said the experience of peace he had was like just wanting to stay in bed a bit longer and hit the snooze button on the alarm. And someone else said it was just black emptiness. No thoughts, no consciousness, nothing. Another said there was no pain, just darkness. Extreme vulnerability, extreme fragility, infinite sadness and nothingness. So what do we make of this? People's experiences vary and we've no way of knowing whether what they encounter is the reality of what awaits us when we die or whether their experiences are just triggered by the, the brain shutting down. And a sceptic reading all these different accounts might be inclined to say, well, there you go. Uh, Actually, we just don't know, and probably there's nothing after death. We are conscious only for as long as the brain in this body is functioning, and when the brain finally closes down for good and switches off, that's it. We don't exist anymore. (coughs) Lots of people shy away, though, from that absolute finality of understanding human existence. My experience of taking funerals is quite bizarrely that even people who say they haven't really got any faith in God want to believe that the person who's died is still around somewhere. How you can cherish that hope if there isn't a God to do anything with them after they've died is a mystery to me. Yet equally there are those who stare death in the face and say, This life is all there is. It rather looks as if there were people in Corinth who thought that way. There was those who were saying there is no resurrection of the dead, no afterlife, nothing, nothing to dread, nothing to look forward to. When the body shuts down, that's it. And this was a commonly held view. You can find tombstones with the letters NFFNSNC written on them which was a standard abbreviation for known fui, fui, known sum, known caro, which translated into English means, I was not, I was, I am not, I care not. And that was the attitude, in all likelihood, that was there amongst some in Corinth. There's nothing, nothing after death. Yet in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul challenges the people who thought that way head on and says, you can't believe that and trust in Christ at the same time. Those two worldviews are completely incompatible with each other. Why? Because if there is no resurrection, if there is nothing after death, then how can you think of Christ being raised from the dead? doesn't make sense. Christ's resurrection It is the condition for our resurrection. But if there's no resurrection at all, then Christ hasn't been raised from the dead either. And if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then the Christian faith isn't just a waste of time. It's worse than that. Paul goes so far as to say that if our faith in Christ is valid for this life and this life alone, then we are the most pitiable and deluded of all people. It's a waste of time. For Paul... The resurrection of Jesus was the linchpin of his trust in Christ. Remember, it was only when the Lord Jesus appeared to him in person that he was converted from being an ardent persecutor of the church to a passionate advocate of the gospel. Paul was utterly convinced of the gospel and its truth because he had met Jesus. Yet here were people saying that the dead do not come back to life again And so the logical outcome of that is that Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead. So Paul never had a real encounter with the Son of God, if that is true. Well, if that's true, he says, then the message of salvation I preach has no value. Faith has no substance. Those who bore witness to Jesus' resurrection are liars. Your lives are still controlled by the destructive and damaging power of sin. And anyone who has died has been irretrievably lost forever. Putting it bluntly, if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then everything we stand for, everything we do in this church, is a complete and utter sham. And the best thing we could do would be to close the building and never set foot in it again. We could all go home and watch television, or cut the grass. But what if it is all true? What if Christ really has been raised from the dead? That changes everything. The resurrection of Christ is a sign, more than that, it's a guarantee that there is life beyond death. Because his resurrection secures our own resurrection from the dead. Without the resurrection of Jesus, death is like a blank wall of darkness confronting every single human being without exception. And we may speculate about what might be on the other side, and we talk to people who've had near-death experiences and, and listen to what they have to say, but we can never know. But Jesus, risen from the dead, punches his way through the wall of death and lets the light of God's life shine through. And because he lives, the finality of death is no longer the universal experience of humankind. Because Jesus, a man, went into death and came out victorious the other side. One person has demonstrated conclusively that death is not the end. And that means that because he lives... We can have the confidence that we will live as well. Paul describes Jesus as the first fruits of the resurrection, the first part of the harvest to appear that sends a signal the rest is on its way. He is the harbinger of resurrection life, He's the first of many. Because Jesus lives, we will live too. It's not an isolated one off event. The first of the resurrection of the dead in which those who trust in him will share. Jesus has breached the wall of death and because of that we can have confidence that death is not the end. It is no longer a full stop. You might think of it as a semicolon. God did not make you for darkness and death. He made you to share life with him forever. And he sent his son to die and to come back to life again, both to demonstrate the truth of that and to bring his resurrection life into our hearts by his spirit. If Jesus is alive, then everything changes. And if we know and trust him here and now, we can have confidence that when the time comes for us to die our experience will be that he is the one waiting to meet us the other side of the wall. And our encounter with him will not be the product of whatever random nuance happened to be firing in our brain at that moment in time, but will actually be the moment at which we encounter the ultimate reality of God himself in his son, Jesus Christ, our saviour. And if Jesus rose from the dead, all that is true. So a lot hangs on the claim. Can I prove it? No. Though you could do a lot worse than to read Frank Morrison's book, Who Moved the Stone? It's in the church library. Tells the story of a man who set out to write a book about Jesus, convinced that scientific thought precluded the possibility of the miraculous, and therefore the resurrection could not have happened, because that would entail the laws of the universe going back on themselves in an inconsequential and arbitrary manner. And much to his surprise, the book he ended up writing was one which concludes that there is certainly a deep and profoundly historical basis for that much disputed sentence in the Apostles' Creed, the third day he rose again from the dead. He set out to disprove it and found he couldn't. I'm not suggesting you read a book that was written back in 1930 because I think it will convince you that Jesus rose from the dead, but I cite the book because when the author began his investigation of Jesus, he thought he knew in advance what he would find. The outcome of his studies were a foregone conclusion. But the more he looked into it, the more he found his entire worldview shifting because of Jesus. And be warned, Jesus can have that effect on you. Because he assumes centre stage. And he will not be fitted into any other less important place. Because he's Lord. If you come to our house, you will see that we live in clutter perpetually. That is partly, but not exclusively, because my wife never throws anything away. Over the years, it's one of the things that I've come to accept about her and maybe even love her for in my better moments. I do throw things away. Over the years, it's one of the things that she's come to tolerate in me and forgive me for. Why the need for forgiveness? Because I'm the kind of man who'll come across something and think, what's that? I don't know. I'll throw it away. And after a while it comes to light that the object that I threw away was an integral part of something really useful that would have been ideally suited for some purpose if we had the missing piece. But who was the person that put the missing piece in the bin the other week? Why do I tell that story? Because sometimes people look at Jesus quite superficially and think, What's that? Don't understand that. I'll throw it away. Think they can dispense with him. But it's a mistake. It's a mistake. He's the one who can secure eternal life for you, He's the one who can forgive your past, He's the one who can make God known to you, He's the one who can get your life back on track when it goes off the rails. You might not quite understand who he is or what he's done or how it works, but don't throw him away because you don't understand it. Jesus is there because the God who made you and who loves you and who values and treasures your life wants you to know how much your life matters to him. Jesus is there because left to our own devices, we so easily get things wrong Ended up hurting and damaging ourselves and other people. And he's the one who brings healing, restoration, and forgiveness. Jesus is there because without him, our lives stop short of the impenetrable wall of death. But he's the one who breaks through the wall, brings us safely into the life that God has in store for us the other side. Jesus is there because without him, we would be eternally lost. And God didn't want that to happen. Our need to be saved from ourselves was answered by God's provision of a saviour, and he asks you to put your trust in him. Whether our lives are long or short, death always gets us in the end, and there's nothing we can do about it unless Jesus comes back first. But God has done something about it for us in Jesus' And if your life is going the wrong way and you can see that you're going to end up in the wrong place and there's something changes, then make no mistake. Jesus is the one who can change the direction of your life so you're no longer slipping down towards destruction. But instead, if you entrust your life to him, he's the one, the only one, who can bring us safely out of death and into life. He's God's certified remedy for the human condition. So don't give up on your life before you've given your life to Jesus. And if you'd like to know more about accepting Jesus, I can offer you a copy of the booklet Knowing God Personally, which just talks about accepting Jesus and coming to know God through Jesus. I know you're probably all Christians here tonight already, but I do remember uh, taking a church load of people up to to see Louis Palau in... in um, the the White City Stadium back in the 80s. The only person who became a Christian was a lady who had been a church member for donkey's years. But she was transformed by the experience of meeting Jesus and there was a life in her that hadn't been there before. Jesus, the saviour for us all, whoever we are, however long we've been around, how much we think we know, he's God's remedy for the human condition. God's gift to us to be our saviour to bring us out of death into life and we worship him because he died and rose again and that changes everything and it changes our lives as well